You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Parma. This episode was originally recorded in the middle of 2022 during a live stream event where we spoke about writing in Korean dramas. What are we talking about today? We are talking about storytellings in K-drama. <laughs> um with our various experiences combined we have some thoughts on how k dramas are written and that's what we want to talk about today that's right so like first let's just jump into what are the kind of structural elements that go into crafting a good story premise and plot which are kind of similar although not the same you've got character you've got dialogue and then you've got sticking the landing But we also want to distinguish between the idea of like premise and concept which are not necessarily the same thing. And Anissa, I think you had a really good breakdown of of how they differ. Would you like to share it with us? Sure, I can share with the class. <laughs> so, I feel like the premise is literally just, you know, what's the story about? Here's like you know, uh, you know, what's the basic sort of plot summary kind of that you start at whereas the concept is more um you know like you have high concept dramas where like it's a time travel show or it's like a supernatural show or it's a fantasy show and that is not genre necessarily but it'll be like a specific concept for that show's world whereas the premise is like a girl met a boy and they worked in a hospice and shenanigans happened and there were tears I wonder which drama that is Um, and everybody fell in love with Ji Chang-wook again. Sorry, okay, that's a tangent, but <laughs> there you go. That's kind of my non-professional, off-the-cuff definition of both. Do you guys agree mm, with yeah, that? Absolutely. At first, when we were talking about this, we kind of came up with them as almost the same thing, and then as we talked about it, we realized that actually they're quite distinct. So it's always like a premise is much more. sort of bare bones whereas the concept is kind of the the ceiling right it's like kind right, of high exactly. level yeah and the reason we're starting with this is because korean dramas um after all have caught our attention and are now catching international attention because of the concepts they come up with which are f- like fleshed out but also basically the what if scenarios that all stories are based on Um, K-dramas excel at coming up with the most ridiculous yet the more, most nuanced version of what-if scenarios. And it's important to recognize that that is a skill that uh, K-drama writers have not just developed but passed on through generations of writers, assistant writers, and then like writers of the next generation. It, it's, it's a really difficult honed skill. And that has kind of like... at this point i feel like it's it's at its peak every concept uh, that comes out nowadays seems to be like its most excellent form um there are of course at, at the end of the day um there are sometimes when we get tired of watching certain types of dramas happen because they fall into a rut they they become narrow and it feels like we're watching too many similar things in k dramas and then we move into mm. other like sea dramas or just we watch western stuff sometimes just as a break but in terms of concept 
like individual stories when they are great there is pretty much nothing that uh, like from other industries that can compete with k drama so yeah concept so we starting out with this because it's a really difficult thing to master and somehow k drama writers seem to have mastered it and a drama does rest on its concept because if you can't figure out the rules for that concept then you can't translate that into an execution that works you can't translate that into world building you can't translate that into characters who do things that make sense so you know if you get it wrong at that sort of dna level like the cons- the that that premise and the concept they're the dna level of the story just the same way that the right like writing itself is the the one thing that will if if you don't get the writing right the drama can't be right basically no matter how pretty it is no matter how good the acting is it won't save the drama right because then it'll just collapse Mm -hmm. the whole world of the show will just collapse in on itself and what you mentioned Borma about how sometimes we get tired of you know them doing the same things over and over again I think that's also like one of the 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 it's like a pitfall and a and a benefit of K-dramas is that, like, they're very sensitive to tropes. Uh, sorry, not tropes, trends. And I think, like, Korean culture is very sensitive to trends in general. But, like, in this case, so something will catch on and it'll be trendy. And so then everyone will do it. And I think most, honestly, most um, media, com- like, industries are like this. If something gets popular, then they're like, oh, how can we replicate this? And because of this sort of compressed timeline in which K-dramas happen, you'll see like a really successful time tra- travel drama with that has takes like one angle and then like you have a whole bunch. But the nice thing about that is also then like there's always people kind of looking to see what the next trend is going to be. And so they're like always coming up with like interesting and creative concepts. Um, and as you said now, like they have the money to actually take those to sort of the high level that the writers and the directors actually imagining it mm-hmm. to go. So that's... That's fine. That, that is uh, the best part, like mm-hmm. having the money to like bring your vision to fruition. So right now we're talking about the execution of the concept, which is where I feel most other industries fall apart. Um, I, I don't know how many of you guys would be aware, but recently there are a couple of uh, movies out of Bollywood, which has had like the biggest budget that Bollywood has ever uh, invested in movies. Um one of them is not actually a Hindi uh, cinema product. It's called RRR, and basically the entire world is going a bit nuts about it. The reason I bring it up is because it's a it's a big budget production, and it does the visual aspect amazingly. It, it's gorgeous in in terms of like the cinematography, but also just like the VFX. It's amazing. Um, the story is insane, and in part, I think because of the insanity of the story, you didn't it's doing say really no bad well. insane. Um, I didn't say bad insane because I'm really used to this genre of, and it's not supposed to make perfect linear sense. It's not supposed to be reality. It's its own form of fantasy. Uh, but if you go into it with like the lens of, hey, this is uh, you know freedom fighters in an independence movement. Why are they fighting with tigers? That's uh, the entire <laughs> thing falls apart. But <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up liking RR too. Um, uh, but initially, I was not a huge fan. However, the reason I bring it up is the, the silliness of it, despite the silliness of it, one thing it does right, which I think other um, 
Indian cinema, like big budget ones kind of fall apart on is in terms of concept and world building, it does some convincing world building. And the reason I am bringing this up is because very recently another movie was released, Brahmastra, which again has like the big visual, you know, the VFX, all of that stuff. It's a huge success right now. I'm pretty sure it's going to keep making money. I'm quite happy it has been created because I'm a fan of fantasy. However, the story is ridiculous. The world building is non-existent. And even when you're putting a huge amount of money, K-dramas, when they get that kind of money, they first work on the writing. They first work on making sure that the foundations, the world building is as packed with, um, I don't know, like cement that will really hold Um, even if like the top portion of the structure is a bit wobbly and like the final, like the tip of the thing might not exactly be perfectly steady, but like the foundation holds. So your belief in the world holds and that seems to be like the priority. Yeah. Although there are times when a drama falls apart because its world building isn't solid. Yes, absolutely. It's not a perfect. um, Yeah. Formula, but the reason I'm comparing it with like the Indian movie industry is because very recently the Indian movie industry is starting to get proper amount of money. Um, mm. I can't even like do uh, on the fly numbers in my head, but let's say where uh, just imagine you know what this number means. But like let's say a, a movie used to be for like a hundred crore uh, a couple of years back. Now they are getting five times that budget to do a a big movie. That's it, it's the budget has become pretty huge, which means that visually it looks gorgeous, but the skill level of the writers hasn't exactly gone up to match. Whereas I feel like with K-drama writers, it's the writing that has been honed for years and has been the mm-hmm. focus of production far before the money ever caught up mm-hmm. to, you know, that is, help them bring it. Yeah, visually. That is true too. in the sense that in sort of the world of K-dramas, it's like the superstars are the writers, right? It's much Mm -hmm. less common to have a superstar director. And I mean, actors are kind of their own whole layer of what they do. But like in in that production level of like creating the world that the actors inhabit, the superstars are the writers 100 percent. And right. It's like writers are queens in this in this industry. I was going to say king. I mean, think about it. If you're asked to name a writer or any writer, or 10 writers, we can immediately come up with 10. Can you come up with more than three directors? I, I don't think I can. No. Not without thinking really hard. But like uh, writers, Bob I can keep Chinwa telling you about the only writers. one I know about, and that's because he did Alchemy of Souls recently, and he's done like a bunch of dramas that I've loved, including uh, Secretary Kim. But yeah, that's an honest Park Junhua. I'm so sorry. And that's like <laughs> the only one at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Can Bong we? Joon-ho counts. Yeah. No, 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 he's not a drama director. No, I mean, film is a film, no, see, is, another. film is where the director... He, he writes his movies films too. Films so. are where the directors are the superstars, but in, in dramas, true. the writers are the superstars. I was also recently thinking, because um, Sai and I both have done a detour into C-dramas in the last <laughs> few months, how writers are not uh, that... Uh, that well-respected in the C-drama world. It's not like they're not at all. They're definitely better than other industries in other countries. But compared to K-dramas, like where K-dramas, like you said, 
they are the superstars. With C-dramas, a few writers are really well-known. The rest of them are completely just not. Um, and when the writers are well-known, chances are that they are getting like a ton of internet hate over something really silly. Like some reviewers mm-hmm. somewhere compared their writing to... Uh, a great playwright um, and said that, hey, the, because they did a, I'm talking about um, Dream of Splendor. The writer got criticized because she retweeted, so to speak, reshared a reviewer's opinion that her writing was more progressive than the writing of an admittedly great, great playwright who did something like hundreds of years back, which would be the case since, you know, time, hundreds <laughs> yeah. of years. <laughs> right, exactly. And she got so yeah, much hate. I was talking to, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was talking to my professor, um, like she was on my committee when I did my master's and I'm like, I've continued to stay friends with her. I went and spoke to her class, but she got really into K-dramas like after I did my, like, defense of my master's which is about k-dramas she got into she like went and watched crash landing on you and um and i saw her last weekend and she was saying that like she noticed that the she's taiwanese american um but her family's from mainland china and she was saying yeah like the the you know like the the acting is much more high quality in k-dramas than in chinese dramas and i mean I, i that's like her her judgment i don't know i'm not like I don't haven't watched a ton of Chinese drama, so I wouldn't be able to judge. But I was saying, like, it's also interesting how, like, there's the expectations from the audience who demand certain things. And, like, depending on the industry, they're demanding different things. And so, like, the industry also kind of responds to that. And so I think with K-dramas, one of the things that has been developed, but also that, like, people will expect and kind of comment on is the writing, is the acting. You know, like if somebody doesn't act well in a K-drama, they are going to get dragged for months on the internet, by variety shows, like by their peers. Like it's just a thing for Korean dramas, right? Like, so so. whereas I don't think that that's necessarily true for like Chinese dramas, you know, that, that there just isn't, even like kid actors, like nobody expects kid actors in Hollywood movies to be good. They all are terrible. I mean, for the most part, they can't really act. And now that's fine. They're kids... There's no expectation. But in Korean dramas, all the kid actors are so like good. already fully developed acting yeah. geniuses. Um, and if they if they weren't like they would probably get comments, which is bad. I mean, you should never judge children. But I'm just saying like the cultural expectations for these different industries is different also. So I think there's like that sort of audience participation in a way that kind of shapes what people pay more attention to. Agreed. The expectation of skill at all levels of production from performers to uh, the creatives are super high and anything less than excellent is just utter failure. (laughs) So I guess Asian parents... And I was thinking about this. Yeah. And I was thinking about this in the context of... So if any of you all are fans of Throughline NPR's podcast about um, tracing history and telling stories that kind of trace through history and have an impact on today. Um, It's an amazing show. Highly recommend. But they recently did their latest episode actually was about the rise of Korean culture globally. Um, And they talked about how Korean dramas and K-pop were sponsored by the government in a deliberate effort to have, you know, global power and influence by um, the former president Kim Dae-jung in the early 2000s. And so if you also think about it as this sort of nationalist project that you are consciously exporting to the rest of the world, right? And so then there's this pressure that it has to be really, really good. Um, Whereas 
that's not necessarily the same kind of pressure that all entertainment industries are are facing. They're just like, we're making stuff, we're making it for our own people. We're making stuff that people will enjoy. Hopefully we'll make money. Like that's, you know, it's just not on the same, there isn't as much kind of writing on it, for example. Yeah. Shall we move on to how writing affects world building? Or genre writing. Can I just read out this one comment from um, Abdul, who says, we can even advance those expectation to looks. Even in comparison to Hollywood, the Hollywood demands for flawless skin and perfectly chiseled abs are insane because it functions as a symbolic export of the nation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know what that made me think of? Uh, and I know this might not be the best example, but... <laughs> so I'm going to go very South Asian here. But, like, you know how parents sort of traditionally would raise their daughters to be very dutiful. And they kind of didn't care what their sons did. It's because the daughter was the export, right? So you're kind of raising daughters-in-law. So dramas are kind of like the national daughter-in-law. You're sending them to another home. So they have to be absolutely perfect. This is a very horrible example. (laughs) That's very very deep and very, very Asian. Uh, That's true. Whereas the stuff, the home stuff, the things that are for the domestic audience, they don't have that same level of quality control, I guess, would be one way of describing it. But yeah, it, that just occurred to me as you were descri- describing the export just, nature of drugs. Your, your example reminds me of this quote by uh, the Hong sisters when they were being interviewed about their drama, The Greatest Love. And they said this thing that I absolutely loved. So the main pair of the drama were basically mismatched in the eyes of the people. They were like, one was a Hallyu star, uh, Dokkujin, and uh, the other was this like uh, a, a sort of has-been uh, pop star. And she's trying to, you know, through her, uh, wound her way through variety and trying to mm. regain her popularity. She's trying to stay in work. I think. Yeah, basically stay yeah. relevant and earn something. And the two are really badly matched from like the perspective of fans. So the writers said that what we wanted to do was make the nation the mother-in-law um, mm. who disapproves of the spell. Right. <laughs> and I just... I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> so good, so smart. Uh, th- this is what I love about writers. Like they are so, so well aware of the problems of their society. And this level of awareness and willingness to not just tackle the problem, but like say it out and say it out Mm -hmm. in a clever way, not just like, listen, I'm all for protests and saying things bluntly, but I think... I but think it's, it's the Jane Austen skill, made. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. A point it's is being better able made to, when it yeah. when when it when it's said in in a, in a clever, memorable way, and right. it's this is just this is just so good. Um, yeah, what were we talking about? I think we did um, well, that <laughs> I think it's time right. to move on to the next mm-hmm. uh, section, yeah. right? So, how do you think that writing is affected by the genre that you write in? Like, is genre writing different to like? I don't know, Absolutely. sort of everyday dramas. What In what ways would you say that they differ? First of all, I don't think there is any everyday drama. 
all K dramas are part of some genre or the other, and that's deliberate. Mm-hmm. K dramas more mean than by, any other industry, like a fantasy world in a non-fantasy setting. Yeah, I yeah, guess. but but mm. the re- but even like the non-fantasy will be a very specific genre with its own genre rules. Is it a young adult set in a college? Is it just you know youths entering office for the first time, rookies in an office? All of these have like their own very specific formulas and audiences recognize formulas and the shorthands um, that the writers use and that's also deliberate I, I'm pretty sure somewhere out there in the K-drama writers world there are handbooks for every one of these uh, genres with exactly the rules that guide each of them because there is no other way that the moment a drama opens the audience immediately recognizes what genre this is like even if you've not seen the trailer because the shorthands start coming at us Immediately, right? Are there handbooks, Parma? I don't think anyone gave uh, the extraordinary attorney writer that handbook. She said she didn't I know. I think about every it. drama writer comes up with their own handbook, isn't it? I, I think it's passed down like a guru well, thing. The thing is, yeah, like like they they train, mm-hmm. right? Like rookie writers train under experienced head writers, right? Because you have, you'll usually have a team of writers. And even if all those writers mm-hmm. don't get credit for the drama, there's like a head writer who's kind of the star. And then the she'll credit. have, you know, these underlings who help her with like, you know, scripting and, you know, just like editing, mm-hmm. things like this, like sort of the grunt work. And But she's kind of the main engine behind the writing. And so if you come up like, it's like an ex- apprenticeship, right? You learn how to do things the way that people before you have done. Absolutely. Um, not to keep writing on Extraordinary Turn You, but like because the writer didn't come through that sort of system of apprenticeship for drama writing and she was just going from writing one film and then coming to write one drama, she just kind of wasn't able to sustain because it's like it's a marathon to write mm-hmm. a drama, whereas a film is more of a sprint, yeah. right? Though, you know, ha- having having spent some time away, like after the finale of uh, AAW and, and getting all our frustration out, I'm wondering if it's fair to just blame the writer for the, the the weird turn the second half took because that does seem to happen with all dramas. And I think we should also talk about that. Why second halves the inevitably second half derail. Yeah. They don't all. They don't all. The thing is that like the structure of a K-drama is such that episode in a 16-episode drama, episode eight is a designated turning point. The question is, how well do you turn? Or in which direction mm. do you turn? So this is the thing with uh, K-dramas. I ha- actually have like a 70% written essay about this, but <laughs> which I started last year and I've never finished. Um, about Please. K-dramas and I want. the rule of four. I'll so, do the stream gaps. <laughs> <laughs> I have to finish writing it. Basically, like K-dramas are kind of, they are more of a four-act story than a three-act story. And what you have is mm. the first four episode, the, the first block of four is your kind of um, setting the scene and it's it sets up the conflict. And then the sort of four to eight, um, sorry, five to eight, that second look, that brings you to, like it completes your first conflict, like you go through that conflict and by episode eight, you reach like a climax. And then you have a turn in the story where like you're sort of big your second arc it's a two-arc story k-dramas in general and i'm not sure if this applies to all of them but certainly in complex thrillers 
this, I, I actually was studying a bunch of thrillers. I was watching a bunch and I ended up sort of watching them in a studious way. <laughs> uh, what were the dramas? It was Beyond Evil. It was um, Good Detective. It was a bunch of stuff that I was watching at that time. And they all did this. So the first act sort of complete, the first arc completed at episode eight and, and then episode nine began its second arc, which was that long arc story is there from the beginning, but there's a short arc and a longer arc. And so your second half right. tells a, a story that sort of levels up from the first half. And yeah, I, th I guess it depends. The thing with uh, like genre is that genre itself can provide a level of intensity and conflict that really helps the story. And in thrillers, in sci-fi, in fantasies, in something that has a really sort of tension, um, a natural tension just in like th its very premise that is thicker than the tension of, say, uh, an office right. rom-com. Or in its concept, yes. might we say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry to be a pedant. But, you know, that's such an interesting point. I'm not, like, as steeped in thrillers as you are, so I've never noticed that. But it's true with rom-coms, too, right? Like, how many times do we talk about the episode mm. eight kiss? And even and if the it's not episode a kiss, episode eight is generally the one that kind of you take the turn in the relationship where both of them have acknowledged their feelings to mm. each other. And so while the first half of the drama is about them slowly understanding that they like this person and then gaining the courage to confess their feelings, the second half then is about um, once they have acknowledged their feelings, what are all the mm. other con like conflicts yeah. that are going to stand in their way of their happy ending? And it's them working through those. Then you also those. have the like the episode 12, you know, that requisite episode 12, very serious, the the big moment of the show, right? We all have right, those. Right, the right. The breakup moment. In, in a, in yes. a um, <laughs> rom-com or romance or a melodrama, that does tend to be a breakup. But in a thriller, that would be something different. Uh, and then you have... So I think romance writers, not to go back to books, but I think romance writers call this like the dark night of the soul. Yes. Yeah. Where like you get close <laughs> to the end, everything's going great. And then like the, the one comes out of the woodwork the or yeah. one. Yeah. There's like some moment of like noble idiocy where the one of them breaks up with the other for their own good. So, I mean, that dark night mm. of the soul can also be applied to other genres, mm. I think, where you, you just like read that like that, that last most difficult moment before the resolution. Mm. So in terms of genre, what do you think that each genre relies on more for its sort of its best execution? For example, like I'd say in a thriller, the plot really matters the most. What, what about in other genres, like character, dialogue? What about the other elements? I think slice of life relies very heavily on character development um, romances also um, sort of rest on character development, but there also has to be like chemistry and um, that is so hard mm. to know whether that's going to be there before you start. What do you think, Barma? Uh, I don't have clear thoughts on this right now. I'm still going over it. Well, let me throw a drama name at you. How about romance as a bonus book? I, I just want to say rom-coms also rely heavily on dialogue. I think dialogue very, very is heavily. so important for rom-coms more than for any other other genre. I agree. For instance, I, I generally tend to think um, um, if you take the crime genre, like even crime can be split into two. One is like a procedural, like heavier drama, like Beyond Evil, where dialogue really matters. Mm. The other is... Um, 
What was the one that we just watched? Saya, the one with... Um, Again, my life? It was <laughs> like the initial portion that we loved. Dialogue wasn't really why we loved it. Yeah. The, th- there is something about stylized action that mm. certain dramas just... That's like the what adrenaline they carries you for a while. Yeah. Correct. Right. Mm. Right. And, right. And that's one... Uh, type of crime and then the other type of crime drama is Stranger where if the dialogue wasn't just the best and of course the atmosphere created by uh, the writing and, and just the directorial ability but yeah so such good quotes that come out of like each interaction so mm-hmm. yes but romance yes. you're absolutely right like I, I can't imagine a romance ever ever hitting me or even like me being able to complete uh, a romantic drama if the dialogue didn't have a certain amount of sugar rush <laughs> mm. or, or depth. So let me yes. ask. And it's that's partly writing and it's partly the actor's execution of that writing. But you have to have both in order for those to have those moments where you just like one of them delivers a line and you're just like on the table, on the floor, in a puddle, you know, it's just like yeah. dying. Sorry, Saya, go on. That's exactly the the point I will sort of roll myself into, which is the first half of uh, Something in the Rain, Pretty Nina. The dialogue was amazing. Everything about the first half of that drama was just on point. So what went wrong? Uh, that's a whole other live <laughs> event that we'll, we won't. I think in terms so, of writing, in terms I, I of writing, I think that the, the first half of the drama sets up mm-hmm. something. Or, or at least like promises something or seems to, I think it, it there was some genre confusion where like it presents like a rom-com in the first half. Um, and then the second half, it becomes this very cynical character study that is trying to make a point about... The futility of it all. I don't know. The futility of it, being a woman <laughs> or like the depressing nature of what? life. I'm not really sure, but like that's not what it kind of unspeaking... like implicitly promised us in the beginning this is also a drama i've thought about quite a bit and i think that this is what um the formula of k-dramas this is where the formula of k-dramas kicks in um as in both helping audiences develop expectations and enjoyment and also is the reason for most of our disappointment because the formula of a genre and the shorthand that communicates with the audience, like between the creative team and the audience, we are understanding what the intention of the creatives is pretty early on in the story. Even if we don't know the entire story, we have a general idea that this, I don't know if this is going to be a happy ending or a sad ending, but we know what the intention is. If there is a bully early on in the drama, we know that the bully is going to have comeuppance at the end of the drama. Pretty Nuna started off as a story where there were two bullies in our heroine's life, her mother and the workplace harassers, multiple of them. Um, Just the situation that she was in. Her relationship with her friend wasn't the healthiest either. And the idea was that we are going to see resolutions that would be satisfactory because the genre we were watching this in, which is basically the romantic, but like dramedy, It's, it's not exactly romantic comedy, but it was like the dramedy genre. We thought at least that we would have closure but that is where, like, even though the shorthand given to us was that it's it's getting there, that is what we're heading towards. As you said, Anissa, they changed the genre in, in the final quadrant, the final quarter of the story. And that hurts because 
what we were expecting and that expectation is a promise made to the audience is i mean i understand artistic freedom and all of that stuff but that promise is terribly important when you are creating a relationship of trust with your audience and yeah so that that's like the other side of of k drama formulas being so well established in the audience's mind my diagnosis really of point. this drama is actually like i think watching uh, extraordinary tani wu really cements the problem with both of these dramas which is that they they wrote what should have been a film as a drama because you can have that kind of ending in a 90 minute 2 hour film and you don't feel mm-hmm. like you've bro- the contract hasn't been broken right because you you go into a film with different expectations and if the story of either of those two had been in like you know a 1 and a half to 2 hour film format you would have gone away from that feeling quite satisfied films sometimes their function is to sort of give you a um vignette of a situation they don't necessarily promise resolution they don't like they're meant to be like this sort of standalone work of art they're not meant to be like street art say for example they're not something continuous whereas and i just looked up the writer again this was the apart from one spring night which they uh, did after this uh was that what it was called i think it was called that which by the way i think uh, yes. was yeah. was sort of the correction of like it was a, a fixed version of preenuna right however let had a lot less of the rush but was mm. probably you know in, in the latter half was yeah mm. definitely so this solid. is interesting so a film writer that doesn't come through the pipeline of drama writing can still learn to write a drama but they sort of have to be allowed to have their bad dramas as well i guess because you know you write bad dramas in order to write good dramas maybe though we still have to go through them which isn't ideal <laughs> now that we know right. time <laughs> which were the learning ones we could yeah. just skip i mean but we're getting a little bit um a field of our of our hmm. point i want you to talk about vincenzo vincenzo you know i think what i really um there are so many things that we loved about vincenzo i think we've talked about them ad nauseum, you know, it was just firing on all cylinders, the music, the directing, the writing, the acting, the casting was so spot on. Um, and so it was so funny. I think what impressed me the most about it, despite it having so many things that were good about it, is that it never betrayed that premise mm. and that concept that it gave us in the beginning, that you need a devil to take down a devil. And that's what you get, you know, Song Joong-gi's character, I mean I'm not going to spoil the end of the drama, but like what Song Joong-gi's character kind of who he is and what he promises to be in the story at the beginning is what you get at the end and you don't get that without any character mm-hmm. development. It's not that he never changes and he never develops. There's so much character development for like everyone in the story and yet at the same time it doesn't do that thing that a lot of I mean this isn't really a revenge drama. Although you could argue I mean, that it's it almost is a heist drama aspects. in some ways, right? Yeah, but but a lot of revenge mm. dramas do this, right? Where like the the person who's taking revenge is like vowing to do all this stuff, and then at the end, it just becomes a very toothless kind of. And I mean, I know that that's a point of a lot of revenge dramas of like revenge is actually bad, so you shouldn't do it. But at the same time, like I just really respect Vincenzo for kind of taking its 
concept to its logical conclusion instead of kind of like having this really amazing premise and a really kind of daring uh, thesis statement and then kind of just like yeah. noping out at the end and taking the conventional route, which it didn't Can do. Can I it could throw one more drama name into that ring, which is actually quite a recent drama. I actually just finished it last night. Dr. Lawyer. I know it hasn't got a lot of hype and I know that a lot of people have like criticisms of it, but it, this, that thing, the whole, the, the way that the story stays true to who the character is and it gives you an outcome that is very appropriate and fitting to the character that you've come to know. And like, that's what makes the payoff so sweet, right? You're like, I still, like I've been on this character development journey with you and you have developed, but you also like, you're fundamentally the person that I thought you were, if that makes sense. Yes. Instead of having a lobotomy (laughs) pretending that that's character development or instead of not having any character Mm. development and pretending that you told a satisfying story which is Mm. what happened with pretty nuna and or something in the rain and also extraordinary attorney to some extent yeah i think they both commit the same crime and again we have spoken a lot about this but this is i'm just going to say like two sentences on it the the problem with the characters in those two dramas is that they sort of pretended that they were evolving and then they did an about face at the last moment which sort of threw out everything that had happened in the rest in the previous um episodes and you're just like but why did that happen and yeah so then you end up with these characters who you don't understand their motivations you don't understand why they are doing the things they do and you're no longer rooting for them like you can root for villains if you get them, right? And like, can I just say, Shin Sung-ruk in Dr. Lawyer, he's such a show stealer. He is such a show stealer. He's so good. And yeah, it was a good show. <laughs> yeah, he's always so good, but he just plays a villain like the nobody thing is, else. It's not even business. necessarily a villain. It's like the ambiguity that you put into a character. That is... The level of skill you need to write a truly ambiguous character, and again, Barama, this is what we were talking about um, in Arsenal Academy, which is an episode that hasn't come out yet, but it will come out. (laughs) And we were talking about a a book character as well, Jen. Um, That ability to, to, uh, the, the writer has to keep you with the character, even when you're not sure what side they're on. And whether they're going to betray you or not. But that, that's real skill. And yeah, I mean, that's probably a genre thing there. I know. On that note, like, I wanted to mention another Shin Sung Rook drama where he is actually the, um, he's not the antagonist, he's a protagonist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to call him the villain, but this villainous character, or one of the antagonists who's played by An Bohyun, he is written that mm-hmm. way, right? Where like, I mean, yes, part of that is always going to be the actor's performance and whether the actor can carry it off. But he's written in a way where like he never, even though he does a lot of bad things, you feel for him. You understand him. You can sympathize with him. Um, and you feel sad for him, you know? And and that's a really well-written villain when you can actually see where this person mm-hmm. went wrong and kind of feel bad for what happened to them and why mm-hmm. they turned out that way, even if you still want justice to happen. This is Kairos, right? 
Yes. Kairos. Yes. Sorry, I, I thought <laughs> I mentioned it. I did. That's Kairos. Highly this, recommend Kairos, by the way. It's really kind good of show. like the, I think what really separates K-dramas from everything else is that they know how to write a sympathetic antagonist like nobody's business. Like there are times where you're like, the villain isn't even the villain. They are occupying a villain role, but they like you're with them. <laughs> and that's mm. it's such a skill. Or even like a more nuanced anti-hero lead. Um, Joe mentioned Beyond Evil does that with Yidong Shik as as well as an ambiguous lead. And even like the shows that kind of do that anti-hero thing, it gives you a more interesting take than just here's a really bad man doing bad things, but you're going to root for him because he's the main character, which a lot of American TV shows really <laughs> leaned hard into in the late like 2000s. Can I talk for two minutes about Heartless City? About what? Go for it. Heartless City. Heartless oh, City. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and basically yes. I've been texting these guys for like weeks about Jung kyung <laughs> So I finally watched Heartless City about like literally 10 years late. Um, and, oh man, one, Jung kyung his performance is insane. And the other thing is, you like, you okay, you start this drama and you don't know who is the antagonist and who is the protagonist, right? So they, the, just the, the ambiguity of the characters is done in such a, a, an expert way. And what I found really interesting about this, though, is because I was reading about this and I was going back to discussions that were happening at the time as it was airing. Um, and like the K-drama landscape in 2013 was very different. So a lot of the discussion is about how this is one of the earliest anti-hero dramas that K-drama does. And like the rules are so interesting. I can't talk about it without spoiling the end though. But <laughs> Like, the, let's talk, for example, the evolution of the anti-hero trope from a drama like Heartless City to a drama like Vincenzo or Beyond Evil. It's just like, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> I will I will talk more about so this later. So basically, here's your, yeah, Saya has given you a homework assignment. Go watch all those shows and compare them. It's just like who a hero is allowed to be, right? What kind of person uh, is allowed to be a hero? has changed between then and now like we are we are allowed to have the like the song Junggi at the end of vincenzo in was it 2020 20, yeah 2020 that we you couldn't have had in 2013 and i just find mm. that really interesting and i don't want to spoil you the drama so <laughs> we'll talk more about this another day yeah i, th I think another early ish early ish earlier uh, anti-hero drama was Lookout, uh, also known as that The Guardian. was 2016, I think, was it? That was 17. 2017. That was so, so good. It's, it's yes. later for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was disappointed by the ending, but it's one of those where like, just go into it knowing that the ending is kind of takes a dive off a cliff. But the, the drama is so worth watching. Oh, I really liked it all the way um, through, you know. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, for me personally, <laughs> I was a little disappointed with the ending. But man, like Lee Shiyoung and Kim Young Gwang in that drama were ju just like blew mm. me away. And Kim Young Gwang's character in that so is good. so mm. interesting. It's fast, fascinating. Like it's his best performance, I, I think. I would agree. 
I am I'm going to yeah. read out of those comment again because I highly agree which is that um he says there are times when you can legitimately hate a character never root for them to succeed and still think that they are amazing characters like that's come weasel don't jay from stranger <laughs> guys we just recently talked about I'm my sorry, love I love him <laughs> hateable never want him to succeed but can't take your eyes off him I completely agree with that that is very right Yeah true. I mean you love him as a character but you wouldn't want to like be oh, yeah. in his orbit in real life you know so yeah i think that's perfect example <laughs> the other thing is that we we all understand that antagonists are a reflection of your hero in a way like no matter how bad your hero is the antagonist basically at one juncture of choice took a path that the hero just can't and that's why no matter how bad he is he is still the hero and Kedramas really really understand what this mirror of characters means mm-hmm. which is why there is this synchronicity between these two people like i go back to something something like i hear your voice with i hear your voice you wouldn't think that the villain and the heroes in this case our protagonists have much to uh you know much in common that the villain is somebody who just rammed into a car and killed the father and basically terrorized two children trying to escape and is basically just insane but then we find out in the story that that was his revenge for the grief he was feeling for losing his own family member so much later in the story when he inflicts that pain on both our protagonists at different stages the choices our protagonists make after they deal with their own grief they don't really go out for vengeance and that is how they are better than the villain at the end of the day the villain's choice to take a life in vengeance was what made him the villain and then you know basically pursue the children <laughs> until adulthood because he's just that obsessed but yeah so the, that those differences of choices and how well the writing focuses on it is is why i think the villains are often so memorable mm. in in k dramas mm. yeah, i'm glad you mentioned i hear your voice actually because pakherion is a name we ha- cannot not mention when we're talking about good k drama writers Absolutely. and like she among some other writers just write these extraordinarily detailed characters and they write them consistently through each drama whether the overall drama is fantastic or not i mean i haven't watched startup so i actually i can't really comment on that but on her dramas that i have watched the like there's the the level of detail that goes into constructing her characters is really interesting do you guys have a favorite writer for character character creation mine are the hong sisters but i'll let anisa go first <laughs> <laughs> for characters um i think pak jae bom is really up there for me so is um pak yeon sun so pak jae bom did vincenzo chief kim fiery priest um pak yeon sun is she is not as prominent these days but she did um white christmas oh. um alone in love I'm I'm blanking on another one. I know there's another one of hers that I've really loved. Oh, Hello My 20s, 1 and 2. How could I forget? I knew AKA there was something Age I was of thinking youth. of. Um <laughs> so yes. good. I love her so much that I even went back. I even watched Four Gold Chasers, also known Ooh, as um I didn't like that. 
um, I don't know what mixed else. Stuff no, it investigative very, agency or evasive yes, inquiry. Yes, I didn't like it. I watched the whole I thing for it. her. Um, I even went back and watched Miss Kim's Million Dollar Quest wow. from 2004, which is like this throwback <laughs> old school drama with um, Ji Jin Hee and Kim Hyun Joo, wow. and they're so young. <laughs> And it's such a cracky story. Like, <laughs> ridiculous story. Anyway, I love her. I, I love her dialogue, but I mostly love her characters mm-hmm. and her relationships. And I think Park Jae Mum does this too, where like he creates a whole world of characters who you, who A, feel like real people and B, feel that you know that they're, like you just have this conviction that they exist mm-hmm. beyond your screen. Um, and the, of course, the master of that, not to forget is our beloved writer of Maya Jushi and My Liberation Notes, um, Pak Jian as well. She's amazing at that too. I think my favorite for the those elements is probably, she's a little, maybe the reference is a little outdated now, but Ha Myung-hee, who wrote... I mean, we're going to pretend Record of Youth didn't exist. but <laughs> Oh, actually, no, we do need to talk about that. But um, she, the dramas of hers that I have loved have been, like, Doctors is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Temperature of Love, which I rewatched recently and I have thoughts about. Um, but, like, even when her dramas aren't perfect, the, the knowledge of human nature that is so clearly mm. present in her characters just makes you man I want to sit down and have a conversation with her and ask her how she knows these people because they are so like oh the only drama of hers that I've watched the whole thing of is one warm word and it's basically about like the uh, I think like no one has heard of this show but it's really really good but you'll like be miserable while you're watching it because it's basically about the fallout of this like extramarital affair and like once it's over, how that affects like the two families. And you're so right, Saya. It's like she's like she knows things. people's yeah. hearts. And she's just like writing yeah. what she found in there. And you're just like, yeah. who are you? Like, what is this superpower? Yeah. yeah. And actually, we do need to talk about Record of Youth because because it was disappointing. And I think what I feel like happened in that drama is that she was trying to sort of produce a facsimile of her past dramas rather than writing a new drama. And if you rely on your, uh, on sort of copying your own work, that will not give, that will not result in a good drama. And like you could see in Record of Youth, it was just so present there. Like there were lines that she was riffing from her past dramas where you were like, you're trying to create something that like the moment for it has already passed you can't like create this now like for example in temperature of love um uh, i think pugbogum was originally uh slated for for that uh lead role that was um in the end played by yang sejong who was perfect by the way um but like it felt like the like the actors had been spoon-fed lines that weren't natural for them to say. They were just acting it out. And I know they're literally acting it out, but I shouldn't be thinking while I'm watching it that you're just acting this out. And yeah, I really, the downfall of that drama was like very deeply embedded in the writing of it. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> so 
almost because of nostalgia, the the writers whom I love the best are the Hong sisters, Hong Miran and Hong Jung Yoon. However, I think most recently, the writer who impressed me was um, the writer of Be Melodramatic. Um, I think, I forget their name, Kim Young Young. Be Melodramatic was just so good. It stuck, stuck with me so much. I have watched it way too many times that it's... So good. It's and so also good. it's a drama that, that breaks K, the K-drama formula and breaks it in a way that doesn't feel like a break. Like there are, because there are so many meta references and because the relationships are done so well, it feels solid um, in a way Age of Youth did. Like it, it felt like it broke with K-drama formula and yet didn't feel unfamiliar. It, the storytelling patterns were just familiar enough for everything to work, even though it was a fresh way of writing. Okay, the other writers, like my, my favorites, the writer of the Reply series, uh, as well mm. as Possible Playlist. Um, though I don't think I can just take her name, Yiwu Jung. Um, I also have to immediately give credit to the uh, director she always works with, which is uh, uh, Shin Wan Ho. Because they, they yeah. seem to like do their best work together. And Yiwu Jung is so good, especially with nostalgia material but also just with like um, relationships with history which is something that I feel like is a trademark of this writer like if, if this relationship has like a 10-year history of friendship or enmity it, it comes out in like small moments and interactions as, as if like it's accrued it's almost a habit in the character and I don't know how she does it but but that's how it is it's like small right. gestures and just like you can feel the time and the history between these characters and that's very um hard to do it it feels familiar um like because as, as if it's something that you would have with your own friends yet you know just just dramatic enough to be to be part of a tv series there's like this fine balance and she does it so well the home sisters of course because hello you're you're beautiful that was like that was my gateway i i, I cannot uh, give them enough credit for creating something completely insane um even for that time and yet something that just stayed so uh, like still stays with me. I, the thing that I love about the Hong sisters most is that a lot of writers write for their time. Like, as you said, like the K-dramas are very sensitive to trends. The Hong sisters are sensitive to trends. They address problems that are in society. But the issues that they tend to address in relationships tend to be something that doesn't go out of style anytime soon. I can't think of any of their uh, dramas except for maybe Big, which was awful. Nobody watch it, please. <laughs> that went out of style, like which you can't go back and Woman watch Cozy, now. Woman Cozy, I'm sorry. That was also... Okay, I, I did not. That does not exist. <laughs> big, big was bad. Woman Cozy does not exist. Yeah. So it was a crime but, against... I mean, nobody, can, nobody can be good all the time. <laughs> so um, as Philly Joanne uh, mentioned in the comments... Um, and I, I wanted to bring this up too. So Bimal Dramatic was actually co-written by um, the writer um, who doesn't seem to have any other credits that you mentioned. Well, she has um, one more. Uh, she the has Lovers of, of the Red, Red Sky. Sky because yeah. I remember watching it for her. 
like because she wrote it. Uh, okay, Kim Young Young. Kim Young Young. Yeah. Like, She's also known as Ha Eun, so I'm not sure. Um, but Lee Bang Hun is like a very famous director. He's kind of the star out of these two. He's he's done a lot of movies. So he did Extreme Job, um, Twenty, Cheer Up, Mr. Lee, What a Man Wants. So he's what more well known in movies. And so I think what was really interesting about them working together on this be melodramatic is that like it's the story of a writer and a director falling in love right that's kind of the main story so it's really i love that they worked on it together i don't like i don't know what kind of writing relationship they have philly joanna don't really know much about the writing process for that drama but like that's very cool no but it's maybe they're dating <laughs> <laughs> While you were watching *Be Melo Drama Dramatic*, Felicia, uh, I had exactly the same question in my mind because I can see the director. Like you have a picture of the director out there, and um, you know he's relatively young. He's young and cute. Let's be honest. Yeah. I was not. I was trying not to say that. But. <laughs> can I add one thing about the Hong sisters before you move on to the next writer? Yes, please. So, I think what's really special about the Hong sisters is that they have mastered each element of the storytelling process. But we also have such a long body of work uh, to look back on, on on theirs. So, like, one, you can see how their writing has evolved. Um, but if you think about all of the things that we're talking about, like the premise, the concept, the characters, the dialogue, in the best of their dramas, every one of those is spot on. Like... Uh, but and that's and I'll add one just, more the oh, meta yeah. they're <laughs> queens so of meta and yeah. because there's that sort of intertextuality as well isn't it that they can self-reference to back to their own works as well um and but also the 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 strength of this writing pair is that there is two of them like they yes. are a unit like they are a writing unit so like one writer can't get things right by themselves all the time, but that process of creation where you're bouncing ideas between each other, where you're able to pick out, I, I mean, I'm sure that relationship, that writing relationship allows them to pick out the weaknesses of the work because they're both looking at it from different angles. I mean, like one of the things that we find really interesting when we talk about like um, what we find talk about craft really interesting um whether that's like characters in a drama or whether that's the characters writing the drama right so like when we talk about our own work whether it's so like whether we're producing a piece of writing together whether we're creating a podcast whether we're constructing an episode the thing is improved by all of us working on it and chipping away mm -hmm. at the things that one of us might like we'll have an idea and we won't see the problems in it and the other of us points it out like the strength is in having not too many people but more than one person in that process who can give you that kind of external feedback that you can't necessarily see yourself because you're so deep inside it yeah also those people that you have in that process are also people whom you respect and have affection for and you trust and criticism you mm -hmm. trust you absolutely trust so their criticism doesn't hit you at your weakest points and doesn't make your pride act up because mm. the critique you... isn't intended to do that the critique the critique is intended to make the thing you're doing better than it currently is yeah. And I, I really love that you brought this up, Saya, because I think it's no accident that, you know, we have a lot of these 
really famous and well-respected and highly regarded storytelling teams that people follow from project to project in the K-drama industry and outside of it. Like you have Kim and Sook and that director that she Yung loves Buk. to work with, whose name is escaping me right <laughs> now. Yes. Or there's, you know, like the Hong sisters, some of them are writer-director teams like um, Yoo Jung and Shin Wan Ho have done so many projects together. And by this point, they're basically mm. a brand. And they even have a stable of the actors, of the people that they like to work yes. with. And, you know, and we also have these stories that have come out of, uh, in Hollywood, for example, you have like the Coen mm. brothers, the Wachowski sisters, like Key and Peel. Like you have these teams of people who like just have this amazing synergy when they get together. And then sometimes you do like, you see one of them do a project alone and you're you, like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you have these stories also of like these disastrous projects. And then like, three or four years or like something that's like so bad. And then three or four years later, you hear about like the behind the scenes mm. drama between people who like didn't get along or they had really bad, you know, yeah. very different creative visions and they were butting heads or there were too much ego happening. You know, it's like, so that's a really interesting aspect of like, even though we're talking about writers and talking about writers can often be such a, oh, this one person is such a good writer. But like, it's really important to remember that with a, with a genre, I mean, sorry, with a medium like television, it's always going to be a team effort. And so like, if you don't have the rest of the team who's kind of there to not only support the writing, but even like make the writing happen mm-hmm. in a, in a, like a creative and like a, you know, when the magic is there, like that's a, that's a team yeah. effort. It can't happen alone. Well, you know while I, mean? I agree that having like a, a set creative team of, of different types of talents together is very crucial to getting a, a success formula going. And we have like you, all of the examples you enumerated, they totally work. I think the special thing about the Hong sisters, though, is that that critique of writing is not really transferable when you're talking about a writer-director team working together. Directors will often not give the level of or the kind of critique that a writer needs to understand how to better her, you know, the flow of her Mm -hmm. writing. The reason I bring up this is because the Hong sisters haven't just had one or two successes. Um, Every alternate drama pretty much of theirs mm-hmm. and and at one point every single drama they had was just like the nation's biggest success since their last mm-hmm. drama and even right now alchemy of souls like broke certain number of records it's every time they do um something together and they've just been told that hey i don't think for instance greatest love Right before Greatest Love, they were going through a slump and they were basically being, and this is like more than 10 years ago. And they were being told, hey, maybe, you know, you've had your big successes. And then they bring it up with Greatest Love. And and they chose a topic nobody thought, and because idol dramas tend to do really badly, and especially in that period, what they wanted to do was base these two characters in an industry that people didn't seem to watch content out of. Like they didn't want to watch content about actors but that worked and and amazingly yeah. i think they have the biggest quote unquote idol drama that is your beautiful success in k drama history they just managed to just the writing they just managed to do something utterly magical that always almost always seems to break like previous conceptions of what could be done like boundaries i don't i I don't know another team writing team that works this well together 
There's also that sort of kernel of emotional truth that makes a drama work regardless of its, uh, like, the level of its concept, right? Like, if there's something in there that is real, that you can, like, you feel something about. Like, I mean, happiness, that is in no way, like, um, a drama, like, it's very high concept, but, and it's like, <laughs> I don't want to say zombies. I hate saying zombies, but I'm going to say zombies. Like, it's got zombies, and I hate zombies. Um, but the the way that that drama was packaged as a, a character study was what oh, made I it agree. really outstanding. I agree. And so much. I'm just going to, uh, this, the, the writer of um, Happiness as well, who's the uh, Han Sangun, I think, the same writer as Watcher, it's the same thing. Although their external sort of the genre presentation is something like, you know, like it's a thriller, it's a uh, apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, um, I, I don't even know what you call it. It's not what it was. What it was is this very intense um, study of the relationships between people and how they relate to each other. It's just, it really went deep into, into people, people's peopleness. So Philly John says that I didn't feel like the writing was as strong in Alchemy of Souls. And here's the thing, I'm not saying that in objective universal terms, the writing of any of these dramas have to resonate with the audience. But the reason I am praising the Hong sisters so much is because they tend to be able to tap into um, what the conscience of like their main audience, which is South Koreans, their main audience in their head, I have read in interviews, is never the international audience, no matter where Hallyu is going. They address their stories to their domestic audience first. So even if it doesn't translate uniquely to people, and I wouldn't actually say Alchemy of Souls is their best work. I Not by far, even though, again, huge fantasy nut here. However, there are certain things in that drama that just work so well. And I can see exactly why it became the hit that it became. And, you know, but again, like I said, if you, if you didn't uh, find their writing strong, you said that you didn't. Um, uh, uh, Philly John also says that she <laughs> couldn't get past episode four of Hotel Del Luna. That's also perfectly possible. It was actually a pretty slow start. Can but, I say how to get watch yeah. that drama is what um, I loved it, but I watched it at 1.4 speed. It was unbearable. At its <laughs> <normal> speed. <laughs> I, I, I can believe it. Like I because the the first, I think, six, seven episodes of Hotel de Luna were relatively slow. They really they just were all really slow the way up. No, they were. No, I will not take that from you, Saya. That's we'll a drama fight. I love. Um, but to get come back to what you were saying, to add on to your previous point about the mixture of genres. That this is another huge strength. Like one of the biggest strengths of K dramas is concept. The second strength in my head is the formula that they have created for specific genres and how well they don't just stick to it, but play with it. Like if they have their rule A, B, C, D, they know how to do like A two. Like they extend they extend the what if question to sort of um leap from genre to genre like what if you crossed a zombie thriller no, so that, with a rom-com that is their, you know that is their <laughs> final that is like the, yeah. the, 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 the like in the trifecta that is the final thing that they're amazing at there's concept there Sorry is event. like yeah. formula that they they just know how to play with and 
Mixing of genres. Genre mixing blend, yeah. of genres, not just mixing. Mixing makes it sound crude. No, no, I call blending. it genre blend. Like, yeah. A, yeah, a, yeah. A sort of a, a fluid coming together of, of different worlds of storytelling. Like a zebra, but better. <laughs> so much better. I, I, it's this, this kind of like color blend is just amazing. And you never feel the shock because the formulas just work together so very well. I often find that even though people say that romance is like the primary thing that K-dramas are about or the romantic dramas are the ones that do best, I don't really think K-dramas have a romantic genre. They have a drama genre with a romantic subplot. They have crime genres with romantic subplot. They have thriller, young adult, any number of... Romance is always a subplot. Yeah, it's 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 like a, at varying levels of intensity, but I don't think I, I think, you know, um, my boss at work recently left and went to another company and she was incredible. Like she's the woman who hired me. We're all sad that she's gone. Um, and one of my coworkers said that she she used to bring a spirit of abundance to everything like she had. She just had an attitude of like, why can't we do that? Yes, let's do it. And I think that Korean dramas have that spirit of abundance. They're like, why do should we leave romance out? It's like one of the, you know, love is such a big part of everyone's mm-hmm. life. There's no reason to not include it. Like, there's no reason to not include all these things together in the same drama. Like, why does it have to be yeah. one thing when it could be all the things? And I love that's I love that. Like hybridity and like flexibility and um like just openness to everything that the world contains is one of the things that I love about Korean media, not just dramas like K-pop does this movies Mm. do this Um, other types of music do this, not just K-pop. It's just like, so I don't know. There's something really Mm. freeing about it. Like I don't have to be in a box. And to just add to the whole Hong sisters conversation as well. And the genre blend K-dramas have always been really ambitious in their concept even if they were like low budget dramas or whatever like they they always set out to be more ambitious than you expect and Hong Sisters again this is something that they really excel in is lately because you can see in their earlier dramas that they are sort of um treading in known um genre territory but like in their more recent ones, they have been stepping into like completely into drums that require completely fresh world building. For example, Alchemy of Souls, for example, Hotel de Luna, for example, the uh, Isengi one. Um, oh, the, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> um, but the person who always comes to Why mind for me. That's right. The person who always comes to mind for me when we talk about like high concept and ambitious dramas is uh, uh Sung Jae Jung. <laughs> you knew that was uh-huh. coming, right? <laughs> and the thing with Sung Jae Jung is and and we've said this a lot in all of our previous like um anytime we've touched on her dramas or talked about writing is that she will come with this brilliant concept and it's just like nobody's thought of this before. She's the first one to go there. And it goes so well. Until like 
it, it, until just, it doesn't. Until, until it doesn't, doesn't. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to love the ambition. And also, I didn't realize this, but um, Song Ji Jong is also like behind Yumi Cells, but with a group of writers, right? Yes. Like she's a co-writer. Yeah, so let's just mention, let's just mention some of her W2 credits. Worlds, um, Memory of Huntsman, the Alhambra. <laughs> yeah, Memories of the Alhambra. Um, the, there must have been there's more nine nine, nine yes time also, coffee coffee yeah. uh, coffee house, house. Yeah, have any one. of us watched that yeah. <laughs> I watched a bit oh okay I watched, I watched half <laughs> I, I started at Queen Indians Men and I've watched everything at least in well okay I haven't watched Yumi Cells and I watched an episode of Three Musketeers but but I've kind of sworn off her since Memories of the Alhambra. Um, yeah. But I was actually really surprised just now when I clicked into her page and she, like, Yumi Sells. And you love that former. But she's got co-writers. Hi. Sorry, thanks for erasing <laughs> me. I also love you that know, show. I, a lot. I, I don't know if she's watched the second season, though. <laughs> I have not yet. You I have your, not yet. Your, your love uh, grades have fallen. <laughs> but, um, but I should mention... I just not that. I just don't have time. I'm so sorry. Yumi Cells is <laughs> not sorry. an original work. It's not her original story. It's oh, based on webtoons. So mm-hmm. the story is already there. She's adapting um, basically a vast number of works, like making it more concise. Potentially, there is a third season coming. However, the weaknesses of her writing already showed up in the second season, especially oh, in the second half of the second season, because she has diverted away from the original text somewhat because oh, she's no. trying to I mean she's not doing her own thing didn't we send her the memo but, I mean I, I, yeah well she was basically asked to um, they're trying it's a very long running series so they're trying to sort of like uh, make it more concise so she mm-hmm. had to divert away certain character trees and like blend Oh, I thought she was going to do a Kim and Sook and just be like saved from her flaws with co-writers. No, no. But in the first <laughs> season, every everything was almost completely perfect. This is where part one has to end, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in to next week's episode when we talk about more K-drama writers and our live stream audience pitch in with their own thoughts on writing in Korean dramas.